Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And our very special guest this week is Steve Walker from Cobaltics. Cobaltics is an IT outsourcing firm. We use them at Cruise Consulting. They're awesome. They take care of all our computers, all that stuff. Welcome, Steve. Hi. Good to be here. Thanks for coming by. So, Steve, you are the founder of Cobaltics. Do you mind spending a few minutes just telling us how you got in the business? How you, how did you have the idea for this? Well, I think uh, I did consulting for a long time and worked around, got uh, kind of lucky with a couple of companies, and then uh, you know had a little bit of a cushion, and I decided with a partner to start this in 2003. I think part of me wanted to do something where I didn't actually have to work for anybody else. Another part of me wanted to do something really right. You know, I'd worked for a lot of companies where some of them did a lot right, some of them did not so much right. And I actually wanted to, to actually not just do IT right, but also do consulting right. And so, you know, this gave us a chance to kind of test out our theories and see how things worked. Um, so when you say like doing it right, was it, were you at like some big conglomerate that was just kind of like churning out the billing or something like that? And you wanted to kind of make sure customers were taken care of basically. That was a big part of it. We started off, um, I, I worked for two little companies. One started off at, uh, I think I was the 12th employee and the other one, maybe the 14th, something, something like that. And each one, one actually bought the other one. Uh, I, I left the first one joined the second one and got bought. And, uh, it was, so it was kind of cool, but that you company, didn't make anyone mad on the way out of the first one did you <laughs> no i tried i tried not to burn my bridges it, it was kind of cool because i got my old email address back oh, but that's um, cool but uh then you know we grew and the the first company had a pretty big appetite for for m&a stuff and ended up buying not just us but lots of other little companies and we ended up with like more than a thousand people wow. and then getting bought by a bigger company again and that went pretty cool but i think as we grew, I, I saw a lot of things, you know, like in the small company, I saw things that I didn't like so much that were kind of like poor business practices. In the larger companies, I saw things that were poor service, you know, and things where they didn't really take care of clients. Yeah. And those were the real things that I wanted to make better. The other thing, too, is, is that the companies I noticed didn't innovate very much. They didn't, they didn't provide their clients with especially good solutions, you know, like solutions that would save their clients money. And, you know, like I, I kind of would get in there and I'd try to do that myself, but, you know, like I was one guy in an uphill battle, you know, it's like, let's provide them with a Dell solution because we're partnered with Dell. Let's provide them with, you know, with this particular thing because it's on sale and we get a big margin, we yeah. make a big margin. And I always wanted to do a little bit better than that. I thought that our clients deserved better than that. That makes total sense. One of the, one of the kind of leaps that Vanessa made with Cruise Consulting was, it doesn't sound so revolutionary now, but it was going to all the cloud tools, you know, like Gusto for payroll and Zenefits and Bill.com. And like none of the old school accountants at the time wanted to do that because it cut their billable hours. It's exactly, it sounds like maybe what your old companies used to be like, where they weren't really interested in innovating on behalf of the customer and worrying about their margins later. It was like, let's just stay with the, the, the tried and true. Yeah. It's kind of funny because one of the things that I figured out like 25 years ago was that clients tend to have the same amount of money to spend on IT. And, you know, maybe they spend a little bit more, a little bit less, but they've already got an, an idea what they're going to spend almost always. And, you know, like if we can save them money by doing something more efficiently, they just do something that's going to make their IT better, yeah. which, you know, they end up spending usually the same amount on us. So it actually doesn't, it never hurts our bottom line it, and, and it only makes their business better, which it makes them happier, which means more referrals. You know, the, it's just a, you know, a good circle. That's exactly, we've discovered the same thing. Like they all want to, depending on what size stage they are, they spend a certain amount of dollars on accounting and HR. Yeah. 
And when they when we made them really happy and saved them a bunch of money, we actually like show them how much money we saved them. They're like, oh, okay, let's do let's do Expensify now or Bill.com or whatever the next thing is. And they told it's that's a really cool way of was that part of like the foundation of Cobaltics? Like, how did you you just brought that in and were like, okay, absolutely. That was that was one of the founding things that you know it was one of the founding pieces of our philosophy. Yeah. So maybe you could talk about how you met your partner and how you guys got into business together. Well, uh, it's interesting because there's there's two sides to that one. Uh, so we just randomly met somebody, introduced us, and we started talking. He had kind of the same ideas as me. Um, we were great partners, great friends for ten years, and then he decided that he wanted to be in a different. You know, he didn't want me as a partner anymore. And you know, like I think I think probably, you know, some of that probably was me, but also a lot of it was just him. He wanted to run run his own show, mm-hmm. and so uh, this is probably about. Four years ago now, uh, we just split up, and he took half the company with him. Um, it, it was definitely a very tough split. It wasn't something that I would ever recommend for anybody, but when you have a partner, you know, when you have partners, eventually you're going to want to kick one of them out, yeah. or you know, somebody's going to want to leave. It's going to well, happen. Also, like in a services business, your business is similar to ours. It's like it's intense. It's, this isn't like a software set it and forget it business, you know, and like. Yeah. The team has to gel. Everyone has to be a hundred percent, or else you just yeah. can't execute. Like, did you find what were some of the warning signs? You like started seeing that, or maybe someone's taking like three months of vacation or something like that. No, I think um, it was kind of interesting. But I, uh, I, I was a details guy, and he was the charismatic guy. And you know, like when he left, I had to figure out how to be the charismatic guy too, um, which was tough. I, you know, I had a lot of growing to do after that. But, um, but I think the thing is, is that. He wanted to run the whole company, and mm. you know when when he decided that 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 was more important than our partnership, you know things just crumbled very yeah, quickly. Yeah, that's interesting. What's can maybe you just kind of explain like your services, like what you do for startups? You know, like I said, we use you guys, we love you guys. Actually, you and I met over email because I was sending a thank you note about Romeo, who's at Cobaltics, who did an awesome job and totally saved my computer and it was amazing and so we started exchanging emails but like maybe just talk about what you guys do for startups well i think we do the same thing for startups as everybody else um you know like one thing that i've noticed is that we work with successful companies we work with people who are successful and it's kind of funny but it doesn't really matter whether you're a startup or whether you've been doing it for 20 years you seem mm-hmm. still will have those same qualities you're going to be innovative you're going to be you know like I'll, I'll use the word cheap, although that's not quite accurate. It's more like you want to get every ounce of value out of yeah. every dollar that you spend. And I've noticed that that you know that you know like a lot of a lot of consulting companies don't want to do that because they want to work with people that spend money loosely. I feel the exact opposite. I want to work with clients that that are really successful because as they grow they'll spend more money with us but also they make good decisions and those are the kinds of people I want to associate with but so regardless of whether it's a startup or somebody who's been in business for a long time we're going to you know one of the things that we'll do is we'll set up you know like whether it's a cloud infrastructure whether it's on-site servers um, you know whether if you're a Mac and you're going to all all cloud stuff or you know Mac shop or if you're you know setting up PCs because you've got really intense you know needs that you know that need to be met with higher end computers Mm -hmm. whatever it is We'll walk you through that. And the interesting part about that is, is that that from a consulting point of view, it's very easy. You know, like as a as an IT con, you know consulting company, it's very easy to say, oh, this is the solution you need. You ask a couple of questions, and basically, you know, within a couple of questions, you've got exactly what they're going to need for the next five years. 
Um, I think that we approach it very differently, though. What we do is we look at things like, you know, what's the budget? How fast is the growth supposed to be? A lot of business decisions. What kind of compliance environment are you going to be in if you're not in it yet? What are your users like? You know, what's your tolerance for risk? How much money do you have? Are you capitalized? Are you undercapitalized? Um, and we really go through at a very business level what you know what kind of the environment is. Then the second piece of that is we look at how is IT going to be an asset for you? Yeah. You know, if if you're just setting up like you know, we got to give them computers. Let's give them the cheapest computers we can possibly find. That's one kind of asset. You know, that is basically. You know, you've got to do it because everybody needs a computer. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you know, there are ways to set it up where you're actually doing things with that asset. And depending on what the goal of the company is and what role IT could play in it, we, we really want to make it so that, you know, so that the company moves forward with a valuable asset and not just with a cost center. Because yeah. if you've got a cost center, you know, every expense is going to seem like a pain in the ass. But on the other side, if you've got, if you've got a way to say, okay, when we when we make this change, it's going to affect our productivity. It's going to affect our profitability. It's going to affect our sales. It's going to affect, you know, what our gross margins on this particular side of the business. Um, whatever it is, we want to make sure that we're we're really we're really looking at it from a business point of view, so that every cent that's spent is really you know affecting the bottom line in a yeah. positive way. You mentioned that, that was really good. You mentioned a ton of stuff and a lot of stuff that we think about too. In terms of like, um, you talked about like, is IT going to drive the organization or is this like just they're looking at it as like a cost center? Everyone needs a computer. Could you give like an example of, of each of those? Because I, in my head, I, I'm kind of visualizing it, but like, what's an example of a company that's using IT on the forefront to really drive their business? And how have you helped those folks? Yeah. Maybe they're a fintech company that's doing some really extremely rigorous underwriting, or maybe it's a services company like us that, you know, has to be up and running and be really smart about their cloud infrastructure. You know, you've probably seen, you probably have a bunch of clients and who's using it really strategically. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because we've got, um, we've got a, a couple of clients right now um, in the financial space that are, um, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that just because, you know, privacy, obviously. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but what they've done is, you know, they, like these companies are regulated by the SEC, um, in some cases the FDIC. And one of the things that, that they've done is they've said, you know what, we know we have to be compliant. Let's figure out how we can be compliant by doing it completely different than anybody's ever done it. You know, and that's brave in a in a yeah. regulated industry. Yeah, it is very. And you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but they they'll bring us in and they'll say, okay, first of all, set up an IT infrastructure that makes a lot of sense. Now, as you're setting it up, what we want to do is we want to be able to justify this from a compliance point of view and make sure that everything that we're doing is gonna is gonna pass muster with the SEC. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to basically say, you know, be able to answer in an SEC audit exactly what um, what needs to be done and, you know, why we're doing it this way and, you know, why it's more secure, not not just as secure, but more secure than the traditional way of doing it. And, you know, by by doing a handful of small things, a lot of it's cloud and, you know, some of it is services based, um, you know, like AWS and stuff like that. But by moving things you know, out and then making sure they're protected. You know, sometimes, you know, instead of having a firewall, you use encryption mm-hmm. instead of, you know, um, instead of having, uh, you know, PCs that log into a domain, you have Macs that are 
encrypted. And you know, you can do a lot of stuff with an alternate technology that completely bypasses all the rules and is more secure than the way that you started. And if you think about things in a in an innovative way, in a you know out of the box kind of way, you can you can solve all kinds of yeah. problems and make things a lot better for a lot less money. A lot of times too. That totally resonates to me because you wouldn't know this, but before I joined Cruise Consulting, I was a partner in a venture lending fund, and I was also chief compliance officer. Mm. So I actually remember like I, we wrote a hundred and thirty five page document about all of our practices internally, and I had to like go through all the IT infrastructure and list all that stuff out. And it's like your your point about making it more secure, not just kind of at parity is a really good one. Cause the, yeah. the auditors ask those kind of uh, questions. Like, why would you do this? Why didn't you just default to the normal stuff? Yeah. That's it's really kind of interesting. interesting, but one of the things that I do personally, um, is that I'm the chief, uh, security officer or the, or the CISO for probably 50 companies. Oh, wow. And so, so you're on the of, hook. That's yeah. Like a, so instead of having like one CISO for every company, yeah. you know, like it, it takes me probably two or three hours a year to handle whatever's going on. If for that, number, for each specific client. Exactly. Yeah. But for, for all of them together, you know, like I can look out for all the big problems that they have. I can really think for them. And, you know, like when it comes down to it, unless they have a breach, which if we're doing our jobs right, they don't, you know, the job is actually pretty simple. Yeah. And, you know, like the alternative would be to either appoint somebody in house to do that, or you know, it, there's no, there's not like a good alternative to that, but that's a, you know, it's a very, very easy and cheap way to do it. Do you find though that I, I would think that's one of the selling points for your clients. It's like, I get to work with Steve. Steve has done this hundreds of times. Steve has all the documentation, all the processes, like let's not reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's that. And then there's another piece of that too. And that's the, you know, like, you know, I talk about the CISO piece for myself, which is cool. Cause I get to see all kinds of different companies. But the other thing is like looking at it from the other point of view, I, I see lots of companies, but they don't just get me. They get, you know, like yeah. a bunch of people in my company who, who have a bunch of different technical, you know, technical and security skill sets. And so, Rather than hiring one person, they're not just getting one. They're getting, you know, half a dozen or a dozen that are really, really, really good at what they do. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it actually is a really big benefit because you don't, you don't end up running into that, my guy can't. And, you know, and then you call in a consultant. You've got to explain the problem to the consultant. And, you know, this way, you know, you start off with a consulting firm. You kind of do things in a, in a, in a, in a cost-effective way. And then you've got all this, this, you know, these backup people that can do any kind of yeah. problem. You know, so you don't, need to, you don't need to spend nearly as much money. Our businesses are so similar because we're the same way. It's yeah. like if you need to negotiate a term sheet, I can pop in and do that negotiation. Or someone can do help with revenue recognition. That's really interesting. How do you – I'm just kind of curious. I can learn from you for a second. When you're talking to your clients or selling a new engagement, how do you convey that to them? Like, how do you explain to them? Do you have them come in and shake everyone's hand and meet everyone? Like, what, what do you do to kind of to get to get the client to understand the value you're providing? Well, it's kind of funny because it's it's a really the sales process for us is so different from any company I had ever worked for before and any company I've ever seen. Almost all of our business comes in through word of mouth. Yeah. Um, let me rephrase that. All of our business comes yeah. in through word of mouth. So you don't just trust somebody with your IT. You that's know, how I found it, you, by the way. Yeah. A friend of mine's a banker, and he recommended I email you. Yeah, you know, that's it, what happened. Exactly, yeah. and it, you, you trust other people, and yeah. you know it works out works out a lot better. Um, but then you, you get into the conversation, and you know whether it's with me or Carrie, who runs our our uh, biz dev group, um, or even one of our engineers, and the questions that we're asking aren't IT questions. 
And I think that when you start off the conversation by making sure that everybody at the table knows what the business is about, I think that that really makes a big difference. And the funny thing is, is that every once in a while I'll get somebody in and, you know, we'll start asking those questions and they don't even want to talk about it. It's like, no, we don't, we don't talk about business with people. That's, you forget it. <laughs> We're and stealth. We can't it, share that with yeah, you. Yeah. And it, well, not even so much the stealth because I get the stealth piece, but it's more like, why would we share our business goals with our IT guys? Oh, see, so that's our, a, I mean, with our tech, it's, it, yeah. that's a huge warning sign. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. you know, it's just immediately, that's just never going to be yeah. a match. And, you can't you know, be a good partner yeah. if they have to not, if you're not, your goals aren't aligned. Yeah. Exactly. But then, you know, on the other side, usually within just five minutes, you know, like both, both us and the clients like realize this is a match and you know, like we'll walk in a lot of times they've called three or four different companies and we walk out of the same meeting knowing that we're, yeah. we're going to be working with them, you know, and it's, yeah. it's really, you know, like from a, from a sales perspective, it's like they're all, all of our clients come in as bluebirds. Yeah. You know, it's like literally we get a call, we're doing work with them two days later. Yeah. That's and, amazing. Yeah. It is a good feeling knowing when you like you, you have that sense of like, yes, I know we're speaking the same language. I know I can solve yeah. their problem. And yeah. also you like, I really like your, how you begin with like the business and what they're, where they're actually trying to go. Vanessa will always say like, what's your, what's your business and where are you trying to get to, you yeah. know? And that, it really helps frame everything. And I think you made the point earlier, which I really liked was it doesn't matter if they're a startup now, you're going to be with these clients for a long time. You know, you're helping them grow. Yeah. So it's not just like this moment in time, right? Yeah. You're helping them plan. Exactly. We've got a, um, a phrase that we use and it's 20 year clients. So that's, that's good. I we like want that. our clients to be around for 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got a lot of clients from like that first year that we started, which wow. is, you know, like, like most of the people that started with us are still with us. If the business still exists, you know, are you getting like their Christmas cards and their kids are in college now and that yeah. kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really weird. You know, like, um, it, well, I've got a 13 year old who was, he was talking in the car. He said, who was born first, me or the company? I said, sorry, the company. I hate, I hate to break it to you. Yeah. But you know, we've got clients that are the same yeah. way, you know, like we welcome their kids into the world and you know they've been with us for 10 or 12 that's years awesome. that's yeah. awesome well maybe you can talk a little about like some of the common mistakes we you see startups or, or just you know small business or bigger businesses make when they set up their infrastructure what do you because a lot of what we do we go in and we're like oh don't don't do that or we'll correct it very quickly but like what do you see out there and what can the audience learn from your experience I think the two big things are not feeling that you can figure it out and feeling like you have to hire an expert. You know, like you want to get a good accountant. You want, you know, like you want to get, there's, there's things that you want to you for sure. You need a good accountant. There's no question about that. But you know, like when it comes to, to doing things like get an expert to come in and give you some advice, like, you know, a couple of hours, a few hours. But the the companies that always feel like they've got to hire somebody, you know, $225,000 person to be the expert on staff. And I think that that ends up really, um, you want to hire quality people to come in to figure out problems, not an expert who already knows how to do it. And that's one mistake that I've seen so many startups make over the years. The, which is, which is kind of interesting because, you know, like you and I are both in the business of, of advising people. And, you know, like that it holds true for, for me too. I I'd imagine for you too, you, you want to bring somebody like us in, but, but keep us on a tether. Don't, you know, don't bring us in and say, Hey, you know, we plan on spending a quarter of a million dollars on advice, you know, get the advice. In fact, you know, get the advice for cheap and then buy the services as you go. You you do want to keep those people happy. You know, your vendors happy, but 
but at the same time though use them judiciously you know think about how much it's costing because a lot of times you know that that expert person is going to be very expensive where you bring in a smart person and the smart person can help you out a lot more quickly um they can they can figure out not just one thing but 15 things in so many different areas and you know i think that's really really valuable do you find that like some of that advice is actually part of your sales pitch like i i find that like I, we give gladly give away our advice because yeah. we know that we're really good at executing and we know it's the fastest way to convince a startup to work with us by yeah. just giving, you know, it's not, and, and this is stuff they could find if they researched it or even just read our blog posts, right. Or, you know, listen to yeah. this podcast, things like that. I'm, we're happy to give it away because it actually just demonstrates our knowledge. And then, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll make money along the way. That's our business model. That's a services business model. But do you do that too? Oh, absolutely. It's kind of funny, but um, I, I've got to describe this this interaction that I had over the last two days. So uh, Monday I swam at a pool out in the East Bay, and a guy that I've known for probably eight or ten years, I played water polo with him, swam with him. Um, he gets in, he's, he jumps in after his polo practice, and I'm swimming, and we're, we just both kind of stop swimming and start talking because, yeah. you know, we're good friends. And he starts talking to me about business. I, you know, I found out that he had changed jobs, and in his new job, he had he's trying to solve this problem. He said, don't you do something like... We ended up sitting there for an hour talking in the pool. Wow. Then, uh, so this was, this was on Friday. Then yesterday, I went over and talked to him and two other people in his company and we sat and we brainstormed for i'd say probably three hours and just just literally walked through you know like how should they were talking literally what they were talking about going back to the last topic they were talking about hiring an expert for one hundred and seventy five thousand bucks and this guy you know like they had me look at his resume his resume was horrible it wasn't even (laughs) it wasn't this guy was just not qualified and he wasn't worth 175 either. And, um, you know, we started talking about what do they really need. And we mapped out literally how they're going to do IT, how they're going to do um, their implementing an ERP solution. And, you know, like kind of how they're going to take the burden off of one of the guys in the company who's been doing the IT and really is, he's a mechanical engineer, he shouldn't be doing that. And we literally mapped through the whole strategy. Wow. And by the end of the conversation, we knew what we were going to do. Now, at the same time, you know, like you say, it's kind of like, well, three hours of consulting, that's easy. I can give that away for for nothing. Um, You also look at it and you say, well, that three hours of consulting, you know, that's strategic consulting. You get somebody from McKinsey in to do that or or Ernst & Young or something, they're going to charge you like a thousand bucks an hour. Totally. Yeah, it's going to be a $25,000 mini engagement, you know. It's not the way that, that I think at all. I, I would have done it for free because Tom's a friend of mine, and I would have done it, you know, you know, gone into his office for free, just even to learn about their company. They make bionics. I mean, this is cool stuff. Like fake hands and things like that? Or yeah, like robotic. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, really, yeah. really cool yeah. stuff. But so, you know, I would have done it for free just for Tom because yeah. he's a friend. And I would have done it for free for a consulting, you know, for a potential client, even if they didn't choose us because – you know, if if we're a match, we're a match, and if we're not, I, you know, we wouldn't want them to pay for something or choose us because we're not a match. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I have a feeling this will probably work out that we actually do consulting for them too, and you know, handle their IT. But you know, like it's such a small thing to be able to give it away, yeah. and it, you you help people too. You know, it's, it's like, also a testament to where you got in the Cobaltics, though, that you can afford to do that, and that's you know part of your sales methodology. I, I can yeah. also tell just from your like facial expressions that mm-hmm. you love hearing about new companies and new stuff. Cause oh, you yeah. know, it's like, and we're the same way. Like 
we work with startups because it's really fun. And yeah. at some level, you're helping these people achieve their dreams, and we get to live vicariously through them, and we live vicariously through our... We, we're feeling the success ourselves, too, but that's that's part of the, the excitement of working with startups. Yeah, I love going into companies and just seeing what they do. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's it is it's the same for me. Startups and, and established companies... I mean, boring companies, no. I, you know, like I, but the thing is, is that like a successful company, whether it's a startup or a more mature company, they're always innovating. Yeah. And that innovation, that's the exciting part yeah. that I love. I mean, this company has been around, you know, this startup, you know, Bionics company has been around for, I, I think like 10 years, maybe, wow. maybe even longer, 15, you know, and you know, they've, they've gone through all kinds of iterations of their company, but they still act like a startup. They're still innovating. They're still lean. They're still yeah. doing all kinds of, you know, like it's just, you know, like talking to the people there, they're smart. And yeah. I, I just love that That's kind of really environment. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of uh, being in the pool, it's a total <laughs> digression here. As we we're talking, our office is a little cold. Huh. So I was getting a sweater. I'm like, Steve, do you want to sweat? Tell the audience what you do in your spare time. I, I swim. I, I'm an open water, uh, cold water, ultra marathon swimmer. So I swim long ways. That's a, so how long is the ultra marathon in the water? Is it like um, 10 miles or? Well, a marathon is 10K in the water. So like a 26-mile run is equivalent to a 10K swim. So, so six you know, miles. Six miles, That's yeah. really far. <laughs> yeah. So an ultra marathon for me um, is generally going to be, you know, like north of 15, probably north of 20. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I swam across the Irish Sea. Um, I swam from Ireland to Scotland, which um, the water was 54 degrees, so about 30 degrees colder than the swimming pool. It was relatively flat for open water. You know, like it was it was a nice day, which doesn't happen very much in Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, there's no sharks up there, but jellyfish, and I got stung from oh. head to toe. I oh, mean, my God. Yeah. At the last, about an hour away from Scotland, I, um, I got hit three times with oh. these big, huge lion's mane jellyfish, which are... They're about three feet in diameter, and the tentacles range from nine to twelve feet. And are they taking you? Are they seeing you as a threat, or do they want to eat you? Or no, they, you just run into them, and oh. then they get tangled up. And it's like it's like the combination of a cigarette burn and a shock, an electric shock, <laughs> and a bee sting all at the oh same time. Oh my god! All over your body, and I got hit with one, and then about three or four minutes later, I got hit with a second one, and then the worst one came about five minutes after oh, that. That must be like just this crazy adrenaline rush. Oh, it was horrible. I was swearing and screaming, and <laughs> you know, and then you know, by the third one, I wasn't even I didn't even make a sound. I just kept swimming. You know, as soon as I got untangled. What got you into that? Like, how is it? Was it relaxation? Was it just a fun way to compete? Like, what got you into open water swimming? Um, I, I loved the water as a kid, and um, you know, but the thing is, is that I just really didn't have any talent, and so you know, like <laughs> I, I asked you if you're a good swimmer earlier off mic, and you said, <laughs> "Well, I, I swam for Berkeley, um, which is a you know swimming powerhouse, but I was like the 32nd guy on the team, and the only reason that they kept me there was because I could make the workouts, and you know, I just I can keep going, which is my strength." But I really, you know, like as a as a pool swimmer, I don't have any talent. As a water polo player, yeah, I, I've got no shot. I've I've got no talent. I mean, I can I can play and I can swim for a long time, but that's it. Twenty two years ago, I was getting back from grad school and I had been in law school for a year and then I quit. And you know, like, you know, like I was just not like law school was really tough. I was working hard, you know, at at work and I was going to school at night and. I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I was getting into technology and it was fun. And, you know, like I, I needed something to fill the time on the one side, but, but also I wasn't, you know, feeling real great about myself. I'd kind of, you know, basically, you know, like I was done with law school. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a friend of mine that I'd played polo with said, hey, you got to come down and swim in the bay. 
and I was kind of like, the bay? Isn't that dirty? Yeah. You know, isn't it cold? And he said, I don't know about dirty, but it's it's cold, yeah. So we went down there. There were um, we ended up kind of going in. You know, there's a club down there. Two two of them actually. Yeah. And um, aquatic park and yeah, yeah. exactly South End Club. And um, so anyway, we went down there. He brought me in as a guest, and um, the, we ended up swimming with these two very attractive women wearing bikinis. And you know, it's like <laughs> they were wearing bikinis in the bay. Yeah, this is wow. It, it was pretty cool. It was a nice sunny, warm day in the in the summer, but. We swam down, and you know, like there's a flag. It's about a quarter of a mile away. It's just a short swim, and but one of the girls, they, they could both swim, but one of the girls kept popping her head up and stopping suddenly. And I was like, you know, like I couldn't figure out what she was doing because she could obviously swim. She wasn't, you know, like it, it was like as though something was scaring her, or freaking her out, or something. So anyway, we got back into the into oh, no. the um, to the beach, and I turned to her friend. And I said, Hey, why is your friend stopping so much? And she said, Well, this is her first day back in in about a month. Oh no! When she was in the last time, <laughs> she ran into a dead body. Oh my god! Yeah, that, so that will scar you. Yeah, so you know, like for me, I was like, okay, cool club. They've got a sauna, cold water. You get to swim a long ways, and you can run into a dead body. <laughs> this is my sport. <laughs> and girls in bikinis. Don't yes, that that too. That's awesome. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. I've only swam in the bay twice for I used to do triathlons and mm-hmm. I would get these crazy headaches cuz it's so cold. Like how did you how did your body adjust? Like Well, I think um you know like um you you could if you could see through the through the mic, you'd see that I'm not a skinny guy. <laughs> you're um, not you're not fat either. Yeah, well I mean I'm I'm 50 pounds lighter than I was when I swam in the English Channel 20 years ago, wow. but um but I'm still, you know, I'm not skinny and you know like I think that helps a lot. But you just kind of get used to it. You know, you get in and you start doing it every day and, you know, you, your body gets used to it. How Have you been able to take stuff from the, the ultra distance swimming and apply it to work? Like, how have you kind of, I'm sure it brings you a lot of peace of mind because you yeah. have a lot of time to think and get all those thoughts out. But, like, how have you applied that to work? Well, you know, oddly enough, um, I'll, I'll make a plug right now. I just got finished writing a book and the book ties together kind of business and swimming. Um, and so it's like I'm publishing it through Amazon. That's great. What's yeah. it called? Um, Where do the crazy people swim? Where, oh, I like that. That's a good title. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But um, it, it was actually, like, I, I started writing a book about swimming because, like, there's a lot of stuff that I know that younger swimmers yeah. can really use. But I started to realize that there was a theme in there that kind of tied the two together very well. And the theme was failure. You know, like, in business, you, you know, you, you innovate. And the way that you innovate is by taking calculated risks. Mm-hmm. And you want to succeed more than you fail, but the thing is you want to fail too because if you don't have the fail, the failure, you're not going to really know what it's like when it's hard. Yeah. And also you're not going to know how to improve things. Yeah. If, if you're not taking risks that cause you to fail, you're, you're, not, you're not pushing the boundary hard. Totally enough. agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And you know, the swimming is the same way. Um, I failed at a swim over the summer, which was, uh, you know, which was kind of interesting. I, I tried to swim from uh, from Vancouver Island, Canada, to uh, Port Angeles, Washington, mm-hmm. and it was it's a thirteen point eight mile swim, which is something that I should be able to handle no problem. The water was definitely cold, but mm-hmm. so I got about you know four a little less than four and a half hours in, and my you know my stomach 
you know, the, the way that it works is your blood starts being shunted away from your skin. And that happens pretty early. And you notice that? Like you can tell? Oh, you f- I, I, that happens early in the swim. You know, so every swim that happens. But, um, but then you, as you get colder, your body starts to shut down the least important things. Oh, you're so, like diverting blood from certain organs or something like that. Exactly. Okay. So like my stomach stopped working next and I couldn't take in any food. Then, but I was okay. You know, I was, I was, I was holding up. And then my kidneys shut down and you, know, you start to feel like this... It's more than an ache, but not quite a sharp pain. You know, it's like, wow. like kidney stones, but not as bad. Yeah. And then, then your muscles start to freeze up and seize and, you know, cramp. And it's, it's more than just seizing. And then they start spasming. And, you know, like, so, you know, so anyway, I was 10.8 miles in and I had to get out. And it's the oh, first long, man. it's the first ultra marathon I've ever quit. And, you know, I was conscious and everything and um it was the first swim i'd ever like actually voluntarily quit and the first one i had ever not succeeded at and this was only 15.8 miles when i got out i found out that the water was 46 oh. so it was seven it, degrees colder than the irish to, yeah, eight, eight to degrees colder, yeah exactly yeah, eight, yeah. and um I, then i found out a little later that it's the coldest swim of that distance ever on record so wow. I, you know, I did a world best swim, you know, like, and you made it 10.8 miles instead of looking at it. Like I didn't make it, you know, well, kind of both. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like, it sure messed with me when I was getting ready to do the Irish swim or yeah. see, it's like, you know, like I got out, you know, like, am I going to get out next time? Um, you know, am I going to get cold? What happens when I get cold? Yeah. But then on the other side, it's like, yeah, I did something that nobody else in the world has ever done. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Um, the the day before I swam the IRC, two guys tried it, um, and both were pulled out of the water unconscious. Oh, my gosh. Um, one after eight and one after 12 hours. And you have, like, a boat that goes next yeah. to you? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. they throw you food and stuff yeah. like that, but they can't touch you or anything. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I took it seriously, and it definitely, I thought about it, but I thought, you know, that's okay. I'm better. I'm in better shape. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to make this. Yeah, it's like eight degrees warmer. This is going to be, yeah. this is gonna be I, easy. I can do this, yeah. <laughs> um, but so after the swim, about a week and a half after the swim, they pulled a guy out of the English Channel, which is, you know, 62, it was 62 degrees, so eight degrees warmer. Yeah. And they pulled him out a mile from France, and he was dead. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I mean, he, you know, he hypothermia, he started yeah, stopped to shut and down. So, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to push it so close to the edge that you you really threaten everything. Yeah, you know for sure. You know, and this holds true in business too. Yeah. Um, but you want to have small failures that test the system yeah. often. Yeah. You know, like it's one thing to say, oh, we test our backups every week. What you really want to do is you want to actually say, oh, I need that file. And you go back to your backups and make sure that it works. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you want to actually have small failures so that you know that that what you're doing is actually testing the system, yeah. not just testing the theories behind the system. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then, you know, you're a you're not taking any risks, but B, you're you're also not putting yourself in a position where you really know that whatever happens, you'll be able to recover because half of it is making sure that the system works. The other half is being able to know like what to do when the system doesn't work. Totally agree. You mentioned a couple times early in the conversation too, you like clients that run lean and who are, and that's what running lean does for you. It also, you re you feel the effects when you're not, you know, running optimally and then you can fix it. It's the whole premise behind it. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Uh, so we got, we should wrap up here. Can you tell the audience, maybe just kind of, 
um, summarize some of your thoughts. Like I, I really like the idea of, of when you go into a client, you're actually evaluating where they're going in business before you even talk about IT. Like talk about that a little bit and then also just tell the audience where they can find you online. Yeah. Well, the online part is easy. It's www.cobaltics.com. C-O-B-A-L-T-I-X.com. My email address is swalker, S-W-A-L-K-E-R, at cobaltics.com. And my cell phone number is 510 510- Two eight nine three two two six. Call me. Send me an email. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Most people don't want to have anything to do with a cell phone online or you know for their clients, but we like our clients. I, I love to talk to people. So I'm the same way. Yeah. I love calling people. Yeah. So that one's an easy one. As far as uh, you know, like the business pieces. You know, like having been a startup, I think that that's probably the most valuable thing. You know, like be cheap. You know, be careful with the money that you're spending. Um, make sure that that what you're doing is always in line with the goal that you have. Make sure that the money that you're spending is always something that's going to benefit the bottom line. You know, like we, we ran through a period probably about seven or eight years in where we bought a building. And, you know, the building was a good investment and all that. But what we needed to do was we actually needed to have plants in the office. Plants don't benefit the bottom line. It's like it was really, really hard for me to to actually say, okay, we're going to have plants. And even more than that, we're going to lease plants. Okay, we're going to have somebody come in and water the plants every week, and they're going to replace the plants when they die because they'll, they'll die. And we don't want to deal with it. And it really took me a long time to, to wrap my brain around how does this affect the bottom line. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what had happened was we'd grown to a certain size and we had to say, okay, there are some expenses that we have to incur in order to keep everybody happy. Yeah. And having a nice office is one of those yeah. expenses. But, you know, it's really easy. Like coffee, bottom line, no problem. Yeah. People are more yeah. effective. Beer, people are happy. Bottom line, it works. You know, it's, a, it's a good thing. We've got a kegerator at the office. We've got food all over the kitchen. You know, like uh, we've got a tech stipend for our engineers. It's sixteen hundred bucks. They can spend any way they want, tax free, because cool. of the way we've yeah. figured out a way to make it tax free. So we call them trade tools. I'm sure and they discover new things you should be working with. You exactly, know? Yeah. and you know, they it it keeps them happy. The other thing is it keeps them you know up to speed on technology. Yeah. So always think about what you're doing and make sure that it has an effect on the bottom line. Because, you know, there'll be a certain day where, when, you know, like if you're successful, where, you know, like you get to a certain stage in your growth where you can say, okay, we're going to spend some money just because we want to spend some money. But, but think until you get to that point, think about how everything affects the bottom line, because that's, that's the real key. And do it purposely when you get to that point. Yeah. Can you also share when your book's coming out and the title of the book again? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's uh, where do the crazy people swim? And it should be coming out sometime in the next few days. Uh, today is September 20th, so it should be out by the 25th awesome. to the 26th. And it takes me like a week to edit these things and post it. So by the time the podcast comes out, it'll be online. So search Amazon.com for yep. Where the Weird People Swim. Uh, where the Crazy People Swim. Crazy People Swim. Um, or just Steve Walker Swimming. And awesome. it, I think it pops up second. Uh, I'm not the, the gay artist in San Francisco. I'm the other, the other Steve Walker. <laughs> awesome. Steve, thank you so much. And just a quick plug for Cobaltics. We use you guys. We love you guys. Thank you for always being on top of things and for helping us out. We never have downtime because you guys. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And yeah. I'm glad that's, that's the case because yeah. I, I like helping people. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.